One job, one world economy. This is the story on how a simple profession has managed to keep control of the world's trade for centuries. Welcome to What's Money. I'm your 14-year-old host, Ryland Schmidt, and this is the podcast where we learn what money really is. Okay, so before we begin today's episode, I'd like to just give a little background information. So to tie into the last episode, also sorry for not uploading last week, I wanted to talk about a little-known job called a longshoreman. These people are essential to how the world works in our economy and how money moves around. But not only is it the work important, but also pays well, like very well, which we'll cover later in the episode. But for now, just enjoy the episode. It's a good one. Okay, part one, history. So basically, a longshoreman is just a person who unloads and loads ships on ports. But this profession goes a long way back. Like a long way. We can't exactly pinpoint when, but ever since ships were created and used to move things around, you would think, hey, there's some need some people to unload and load things. And that's what the longshoreman job became. The first known existence of a longshoreman in America, especially in America, was during the 1500s, when people were migrating over to the New World, or as it become to known, the U.S. of A., from Europe, with cities being established along with trade between Europe, the need for longshoremen grew. As the demand increases, so does the supply. So thousands of people became longshoremen, which is quite a lot, helping to unload and load ships from or headed to Europe, and most likely to England, which ruled most of, you know, the colonial states, I believe. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) But this work wasn't legitimized until the first union was organized in 1864 in the port of New York. This would become widely regarded as the Longshoremen's Union Protective Association. Keep with me because we'll be talking a lot about unions, and these unions have some pretty interesting names, and there are a lot of them. Or, for short, Lupa. Now, let me just go on a quick tangent here. In the early days of this job, the term Longshoreman was created by people calling others to help unload a ship by saying, Men along the shore! which gave rise to the term longshoreman, which it makes sense, you know, men along the shore, longshoremen, just kind of switching around some words, and there you go. So back to Lupa. It didn't last long as the union would quickly dissolve over a supposed huge amount of strikes, a rec- not a record, but I'm sure it is some record, 30,000 strikes. I don't know if that number is correct or not it seems really crazy but i guess we'll never know so i'm just gonna trust that and we're held after as people tried to create some kind of groups so after all those strikes i don't know if they actually did happen but people kind of tried to group together to create like some kind of like union but it never really worked and because of this it kind of resulted in a lot of violence and most likely wage loss In 1877, a longshoreman union on the Great Lakes was created, 
by Dan Keefe. Is it Keefe? Keefs? Kieferman? <laughs> Kieferman. Don Dan Kieferman. Sounds like a reporter's name. Anyways, called the Association of Lumber Handlers. See? See? There are a lot of names. And they're like, I feel like they're all the same type of thing. They're just like a mix of words. Lumber handlers, that's a that's kind of out there. Which became in 1892, the National Longshoremen's Association. And in 1895, it joined the American Federation of Labor, along with renaming itself to the International Longshoremen's Association or ILA. The ILA is still here today. Hey, that rhymes. Maybe I should become some rapper. No, don't do that, Ryland. <laughs> and it's been, it's, it's the longest longshoremen's union that's been around for quite a while. Also, I should say something about Dan Keefe. He was an Irish tugboatman and somehow and became the head of the union not sure how i assume he was like pretty like liked and maybe a tugboatman especially an irish tugboatman was respected gotta respect the irish during this time it quick quite quickly grew out of the great lakes growing out to the east coast gulf coast and puerto rico basically now it's just those same places um i guess you can maybe say like maybe like upper parts of canada but now the ILA, still here today, better than ever, as I've mentioned. Okay, let's shift over to the West Coast, the exact opposite of America. During an 83-day strike in 1934, all the West Coast ports were closed. Could you imagine, imagine for 83 days? Let's see, that's, that's, a, that's like three months, four months? Jeez. And with no time, the National Longshoremen and Warehousemen Union, or ILWU, was created. Since the formation of the ILWU, there have been hundreds of strikes, most notably the one in 1971. It lasted for 130 days, and all the ports along the West Coast were brought to a standstill. This will mark the longest strike in ILW's history, and a very long one for that. And in 1960, during the Great Shipping Container Revolution, apparently there was a shipping container revolution, the longshoremen numbers declined by over 90%. I find that crazy. Let's see, the 60s would probably be during Vietnam. I mean, that many longshoremen's losing their job. I mean, as we'll see over, I'm sure all those other 90% would be very glad to have back, as we'll talk about later, but not, not right now. The last strike was in 2002, when the union couldn't close on a contract with the Pacific Maritime Association. It got so far that even President Bush threatened, I don't know if it's much of a threat as an offer, to use the National Guard to operate the ports. But the strike came close, came to a close, when they finally were able to come on an agreement. Thank goodness President Bush didn't have to use the National Guard, because dang... I don't really think that would have gone so well. <laughs> um, would have been glad to see that, but maybe not affected by it. Okay, part two, the union. Now, when we look back at this, we realize how dependent the longshoremen are on the union. 
I mean, look at all the history. The unions run the job and negotiate very good pay. And that's the funny part, because all this time we've been talking about how deep the history is of the longshoremen in the union, which is very interesting if I do say so myself, and I haven't even mentioned their pay. Let's just read this article to understand the magnitude of what the union is able to do for them. About half of West Coast Union longshoremen make more than $100,000 per year. Some much more. According to a shipping industry data, more than half of foremen and managers, even more than $200,000 each year, and few bosses make more than $300,000. We're talking about doctors' salaries. This is insane. Crazy. I mean, a job that requires this much work would, I would assume, pay like $30,000, $50,000, not even $50,000. That's crazy. But because their work is so important and vital to our economy, they get paid an astronomical amount of money. And that's something that I should cover on real quick. I mean, the amount of value that they provide for our economy, not just America's economy, but like the whole world, is so incredible. Because the world trades every day, like millions of products every day. And if those trades can't, quote unquote, like transact because these longshoremen can't unload and load, then like the whole just economy at itself is like brought to a standstill. And so it's a really vital job for the economy, which is really interesting that just unload and loading products from ships is like one of like the huge things in like the shipping industry and just in our world trades. And it's been this way for centuries. Okay, so I'm going to get off my little soapbox, but... All this goes back to the unions. The ILA, which covers the East Coast, has been around for quite a while. And the ILWU on the West Coast is just over 100 years old. And while I was doing my research on this job, I went to the union's websites for information. But what I found was very interesting. There was a clear message throughout, which was that you are better with us than not. And I'm sure this is I'm not I'm not sure if this is just a union thing like you know like be on our side you know like we're the best like without us you're nothing type thing or if it's just to do with longshoremen unions I'm assuming it's just more of a union thing but it's definitely interesting because of their rocky past history they may have had reasons to develop this way of thinking like you know to prevent like a repeat of history although put aside the biased articles and you can see some great benefits as I said before their pay is huge, especially for what they do. And they work for just an estimated three to four days a week. Three to four days a week. And I mean, they work like, I think it was like 12 hours a day. I mean, I've heard of some people that work like barely any hours a day. Like that's, that's so crazy. And I mean, this is why I wanted to do this episode on this, because I feel like people should be educated on this job and take advantage of it because... It's such a great opportunity, and I don't feel like it's really brought attention people's to people's attention, and I feel like it should. I mean, this sounds like a dream job to me. Short days, high pay. What else could you want? But it does have some downsides. In this article from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, it states, Workers in transportation and material moving occupations, 
longshoremen, and construction and extraction occupations accounted for nearly half of all fatal occupational injuries, 47.4%, representing 1,282 and 976 workplace deaths, respectively. Haven't been able to find concrete numbers on longshoremen's deaths, just really some like news article about like, you know, this longshoreman died, which is awful. But the injuries that come with the job, I mean, it's definitely risks and dangers to consider because, I mean, dying due to your job is like, it's definitely something to consider. I mean, even though it might be rare to happen, it's still a factor because I'm sure like many office jobs have an insane, I mean, well, what what could you die from an office job? Overworking? I, I don't know. <laughs> and, I mean, there are a lot of physical work that needs to be done. But that is to be expected because you are working with very heavy objects. And, like, you know, just... Yeah. But to be completely honest with you, I don't know many things that could make me not want to be a long, become a longshoreman. And it would take a lot more of what I've already mentioned. Okay, so now at this time, I was wondering, there must be some catch, something that I'm missing. So I looked and tried to see the experience needed for the job. And it turns out that it's somewhat complicated. So let's break it down. Part three, how to get a job. First off, to even work on docks, you're going to need to obtain a TWIC which stands for Transportation Worker Identification Credential. Jeez, this is like the most acronym episode that I've ever done. I mean, these are the most acronyms that I've ever even heard of. To get one of these, there are a couple of steps. One, you must be a U.S. citizen and above 18 years old. Two, there will be a criminal background check done. And that's pretty much it. All the rest is a $125 fee, which is pretty considerable and if you can afford it and you're really interested in getting it being a longshoreman it's an investment to make but consider this becoming a longshoreman it's not like it's not necessarily hard to get to like become a doctor you have to do like a decade of you know like college work and it's really tough but this is more like it's not necessarily that it's just like they don't accept a lot of people i'll leave in a link for the website where you can get this done and you can sign up for your TWIC. Second step would be to get in shape. Join your local gym, make some handmade weights, because weights are pretty expensive, or use that old treadmill that you got at the garage sale. You know which one I'm talking about. This job requires quite a lot of strength, and that is why I'm staying, saying, to be prepared. And the third and final step is to join a union. First, you need to find if you're going to be part of the IWU or the ILA. I've mentioned multiple times, there really isn't a choice because it all depends on where you're living. ILW is West Coast and ILA is East Coast. So which one you pick would be which one you're going to work for. Next, you need to call your local longshoreman union and ask about job opportunities. Also, just a little disclaimer, I recommend you like go into like deep, deep research about this union thing because there's way more in-depth stuff than just what I'm covering. I'm just covering the simple basics. But before you go going to get the job, you should first be working as a casual dock worker. This should help gain enough hours to be available for a union job. And through this, you should be able to gain experience, enough experience to get a union job and be labeled as, a, as an identified casual. 
But when we look back at this whole getting a union job thing, it's not complicated. But you are pretty lucky if you get a union job, as you may expect when you hear about the pay. And so it almost becomes as though it's this secret society that only allow the elite to join. Except it's not a secret society, it's a union, accepting people who don't even need a high school diploma. That's right, you don't even need a high school diploma. Just all four limbs and you're ready to go. No, I'm just kidding. But it's strange how closed off this job is, and how much demand there is for the job, yet the pay doesn't go down. Because you'd expect the more demand that goes up, you know, the more workers that they have, which means that people really want to work for this job, meaning they can lower the pay and there's still the same amount of workers that would want to work. But that's not the case. It's almost like they want to keep the pay high, which kind of makes sense because the job is so important. It's almost like a cycle. Okay, so now I've danced around this idea and I'm sure you know what I'm going to talk about next. But let's leave that for next episodes. The Longshoreman Supply Chain Story. That's right. That's going to be my next episode. Stay tuned. And hope you do. Have a great day. All right. That is going to conclude it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow and review us. Or I don't know. It's up to you. And always remember to stay cool out there.